0: Today's Gospel is from uh, the beginning of Mark's Gospel, and it follows the Gospel that we heard last Sunday. That was when Jesus is in the synagogue, and there's the the person with an unclean spirit. And so Jesus commands the unclean spirit to leave the man, and he does so. And so what we hear today in, in the Gospel is what happens right after that. Jesus leaves the synagogue, and then he goes To the home of Simon Peter and Andrew and Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick and so they tell they tell him about her and then he heals her and word must have spread quite quickly that a healer was in town because by that very evening we're told that the whole town was gathered at the door everybody was there why was everybody there well clearly everybody felt like they needed healing, either for themselves or maybe they brought one of their loved ones. And, and by this point, Jesus has only worked two miracles that we know of, but, but there are two kinds of healing. One is a physical healing, the mother-in-law with the fever, but the other, the other kind is a spiritual healing, where uh, Jesus cast out this unclean spirit that had been afflicting that person. Uh, having that image of the whole town being gathered at the door is a good reminder for us that everybody suffers. Uh, some people's suffering we see because it's physical or it's kind of a public suffering. But even if someone isn't suffering physically, there's a suffering, there's an interior suffering. Uh, some people hide their suffering well, but everybody suffers During ordinary time, our first reading is always paired with the gospel, so the church gives us a a reading from the Old Testament that complements what we hear in the gospel. Today, that first reading from the Old Testament comes from the book of Job, and it's pretty clear why why the church gives us this reading along with our gospel In the Gospel, we have a whole town of suffering people. And in our first reading, Job himself is suffering, and he's talking about his suffering. Uh, It's really good for us to think about the story of Job. If we remember who Job was and why he was suffering, At at the beginning of the book of Job, Job experiences a series of catastrophes, that led to a very, very deep suffering. So what were they? Well, some raiders come and steal a thousand oxen and, and carry off his servants. And then immediately after that, some more raiders come and they steal 7,000 sheep and all of, all of the servants who are attending the sheep. And then worst of all, uh, in a freak, seemingly freak accident the house where all of his children were dining together collapses and all seven of his children are killed. So he learns about all these things basically all at once. And then he himself is afflicted with a terrible physical condition, boils covering his skin. So he is in constant physical pain as well as suffering material loss and the loss of those most precious to him. And all of this happens, uh, with, with, the as, as the story's being told, we're aware that God is watching all of this happen, that God is aware of everything that's happening. He's allowing all of these sufferings to happen. So these words from Job in this first reading, uh, are very dark. It's, it's kind of interesting, actually, that the, that the church would give us such such darkness to reflect on. Job says, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? He's a slave. I've been assigned months of misery. And then he talks about how difficult the nights are for him. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody here can relate to that. He says... The night drags on. I'm filled with restlessness until the dawn. So he can't sleep at night. But then he feels like the days pass so quickly and all of a sudden it's night again. And then moment by moment passes so slowly in his suffering. He says his days come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. And then we said the word of the Lord, and then we all said, thanks be to God. Isn't it interesting that the church would give us you know, such, a, such a dark reading? And it, they're, they're dark words that correspond to the darkness that Job feels in his heart. The church gives us such a dark reading because it's an honest reading. These are honest words that Job is, is speaking. And the church wants us to, to see that we, we need to be honest when we go to pray, honest with God. And this can be something that we struggle with. Let's say we're angry with God because he allowed something to happen in our life, a sickness on our own part, a sickness in someone, someone that we love, the death of a loved one loss of a job we can be angry with god job was really angry with god he he felt that he was being punished for something and that he didn't know what he was being punished for we're told right away at the beginning of job that he was a righteous man he's holy a good person followed the law, loved God, and yet he's afflicted so terribly. The whole book is Job's trying to process what's happened to him in light of his not really deserving what's happened to him. It's, the book is like a, 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 a long meditation on the question, why do, good things happen, or why do bad things happen to good people? And Job is is lifted up to us as as an example. Job is constantly complaining to God about his sufferings (laughs) and being very honest with God about how Job feels that God is being so unjust in all of this, in afflicting him so terribly uh, without seemingly any purpose or reason. So Job helps us to understand that honest prayer is pleasing to God. And if we're angry with God, we should tell God that. If we're confused by God, we should tell God that. If we feel like God has abandoned us, we should tell God that. If we're struggling to believe in God, we should tell him that. God, I'm struggling even to believe if you're real. Are you real? Please show me if you're real. Throughout the scriptures, actually, if we're looking for it, we see very honest prayer, prayer that might surprise us because we might, we might have thought wrongly that we can only say nice things to God or we can't complain to God. We can only thank him for things. We have to always be grateful And that's just not true because God wants us to be just as we are before him with confidence that he accepts and receives us exactly as we are, exactly as my heart is. And if my heart is far from him, he accepts and receives me in that state and wants me to speak to him with honesty. Like you want your loved ones to speak to you honestly. You want your children to be honest with you when there's something going on in their heart, something that's troubling them. If your children are mad at you, you want them to tell you that so that you know and you can talk about it, you can help them to process that. Married couples should be honest with one another, including when they feel hurt by the other we should tell that to our spouse so that we can try to work it out that there can be reconciliation it's actually really harmful for our prayer life if we keep all of if we keep the the hurts that we've suffered from god in our heart and we don't bring those things to him it's like uh, if uh, let's, let's say there's a couple who's experienced married couples experience betrayal in that relationship. If they don't deal with that hurt and that pain that's there in that relationship, then all of the loving words that they say to each other might seem not real. God wants to be real with us and wants us to feel like we're being real with him and that we can relate to him on the deepest, most honest level. One of the Psalms that I often recommend to people who are uh, struggling with God, upset at God, which is normal, uh, is Psalm 13. Um, My God, why have you forgotten me? How how long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face? How long must I bear grief in my heart? carrying it around day after day. Those are really honest words when we tell God that we feel like he's abandoned us. Now, has God abandoned us? No, not for one moment. Not me, not you. Never, ever, ever has God ever abandoned us. But we can feel like it. And so the scriptures give us words to speak when we feel like that, to say that to God. In the New Testament, some really good examples of this when, um, when Mary and Martha suffer the loss of Lazarus, uh, which must, must have been traumatic on a number of lov- levels, because they were best friends with Jesus. And they told Jesus, they sent Jesus' word that Lazarus was not doing well, very sick, going to die. Jesus doesn't come. Lazarus dies. Jesus doesn't come. Four days pass by. Jesus doesn't come. Mary and Martha probably witnessed personally miracles that Jesus performed for lots of other people. They're supposed to be his friends, and when they need him, he doesn't show up. So when Jesus finally arrives at Bethany, uh, Mary goes out to, to talk to him. Martha goes out, well, they both do. Martha goes first. Martha goes out and says these are her, his, her first words to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Shortly after, Mary comes out. Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she weeps right in front of him. I think it's so interesting that they both say the same thing. (laughs) Because what does that mean? Probably that they were saying that to each other. If he had been here, he wouldn't have died. So Martha and Mary are so honest with Jesus, so honest, even accusing him. And how does Jesus respond to, to, to that word of accusation, really? He doesn't say, how dare you talk to me like that? He receives them with great love. When Mary starts weeping, Jesus starts weeping. And then he works the miracle that they were hoping to work. But it's important that we see that what Jesus is, is doing through all of this is bringing back life to their soul. With or without Lazarus being resurrected from the dead, the, the honest prayer that Mary and Martha bring to Jesus restore their relationship with him and, and is it's, are itself a source of healing. They've encountered him in an honest way. Probably the best example of this cry of protest, this, prayer, this honest prayer to God, Jesus on the cross. What does Jesus cry out to God on the cross? His Father, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Has, has the Father abandoned Jesus? No, not for one moment, never, ever. Did Jesus Feel like God had abandoned him. Yes, the answer is yes. How is that possible? Because on the cross, Jesus takes on every single suffering that we've that we've that we have. Our physical suffering, psychological suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering. God's never abandoned us, but sometimes we feel profoundly abandoned by God. Jesus felt that on the cross. And so what does he do? He prays. He cries out to God with an honest prayer. Why have you abandoned me? It's, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for these readings today because I think that there are, there are a lot of us who don't know that we can actually tell God anything and everything and not just when we're mad at somebody else, but when we're mad at him. And he wants to know. He wants us to tell him how we're feeling. He's so happy with that act of faith that we give him when we give him honest prayer. So let's, let's do that today at this Mass. Tell the Lord how, how we are doing. If there's been something we've been withholding from the Lord, Let's bring that to him in this place of encounter that the Mass is, so that we can meet Jesus in honesty and experience that deepened and healed relationship, new life coming to birth in our hearts.